0: As far as like the MacBook goes, I could definitely see using like a MacBook. And I know why like video editors use it. Like Peter, I follow Peter McKinnon a lot oh, yeah. and He's all his man. stuff. Right. Big Mac guy. Um, I still, I just can't make the switch.
1: <laughs> do, you, do you use an Android phone? Yeah. Well, having like, if I still had an Android phone, I wouldn't like the Mac as much. But having the integration between my phone and the computer, like I text everyone from my computer. While I'm sitting there at work and text oh, roll shit. through, I'm just like texting people back from my computer. I never even have to pick my phone up throughout the day, unless someone uses really? an Android. If someone texts me that uses an Android, I can't do that. But it's, I answer phone calls from my Mac and it's, and then like Airdrop, dude, Airdrop's the coolest thing in the world. Being able dude, to that, send high res videos, like that's the bee's knees.
0: That would be, those two reasons would probably be like the only reason why i would switch airdrop pretty sweet like especially if you want to video edit like it's kind of a pain it is a a very much a first world problem but you put something on your phone (laughs) you wanna you wanna edit it on your computer and you're like oh now i gotta go get a cord i gotta plug it in i gotta switch or i gotta upload it then download it i don't know if there's a direct sync and even if there is i don't even know if i want it because it probably comes with a whole lot of like we need to know exactly where you are all the time type of permission levels so yeah. I was like, <laughs> even if that is an option, maybe I'll just go for the, the old stuff. But the uh, I could see the airdrop being e- extremely handy. And I could also see being able to text from your computer that that'd be that'd be really nice.
1: It's um, efficient.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The uh, what was the the other the only other thing that I that I don't like about it is is. Oh, I was going to ask you. um, So android phones when i text you it shows up like green or something yeah. else green what, yep. what does it show up if you're an apple like blue blue
1: yeah
0: oh my gosh it's like ha look at this guy he's not yeah. he's not on an iphone that is so funny i love that i love yeah, that they, shit.
1: they call him right out
0: <laughs> yeah very very intelligent move by by apple um all right well with that with all that those casualties cash not casualties casual Casual conversation. I don't know. Pleasantries. With the pleasantries mm-hmm. aside, let's get into the podcast. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us. I got Cameron Durr on the line with Exodus Outdoor Gear, uh, Exodus Trail Cameras, whatever you want to call them. Awesome company, great products. You guys have uh, cameras and arrows now, right?
1: Yeah, the arrows are new for us this year. We've been working on working on it for a little while and getting ourselves educated in the archery space and we saw a big gap in education so any any type of product that we come out with we just look for gaps in education in areas that we can help educate people better and there's been people starting to educate on the aero side of things recently but if you look at the big conglomerate industry of the big guys they don't really educate you on what they're selling you they just sell you something and that's basically what it is so we took the approach of educating ourselves um, with the help of some very, very smart people. And we, uh, we just got into the airline this year. And I'll tell you what, man, it, it's hard to trust someone that sells the product. I get that, but they are the best shooting arrows I've ever shot a hundred percent. Like the most consistent, the best groups I've ever shot, the quietest arrows I've ever shot. And that's because of the technology that's behind them. It's not just your regular run of the mill, carbon tube and throw some fletchings on
0: it got it well dang that's yeah that's pretty cool i uh i have i have never shot any i've never had any i work with vector custom shop they get make all my arrows and everything for me but it's cool that you guys are jumping into that because i think like as a whole the industry like people roll into cabelas and they go what arrows do i buy and they go here's your carbon express maximas or here's your gold tips right? And yeah, whatever like,
1: they're telling them to sell that week.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, here's what we we make more margin on this week, yep. <laughs> right? And same with the archery shops. Like, not all the archery shops. Certainly archery shops are, a lot of them are very uh, skilled and intelligent people and are, and are working to provide high quality service to customers. Some of them that I've been to in the past are just like, um, I think these ones will do. They're 180 bucks, and you're like, but these all your other ones are 120 bucks a dozen, and these are 180. Why do I need these? Well, they're the best, and it's and then you like talk to people throughout the industry, it's like, Well, no, those are the highest margin arrows, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that and and also like the education. I mean, when I was getting into it, the spine. Of an arrow, the length of an arrow, like if you're gonna what what uh, size broadhead you're gonna put on, is it 100, is it 125, and now with the higher higher and higher grain broadheads, you're looking at some 150s, 200s, and all that plays into the spine selection, plus the fletching selection, and then I don't think Knox really pay too much attention to it, but I always throw in the what do I use Uh, nocturnals, mm-hmm. that's what I run, yeah, so I just just throw a nocturnal in there. But either way, like all of that plays into what you need to buy, there's all these factors. So I, I strongly agree the more education, the better.
1: Yeah, right? that's that's so. our approach.
0: Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. So for everybody listening, um, certainly like the partners of the show, oh. Onyx Maps, uh, Vector Custom Shop, and um uh Venado, uh lifestyle clothing apparel. So those guys are pretty cool. But take a look, tech, check out Vector Custom Shop for Arrows. Check out Exodus Outdoor Gear, see what you guys like, pick what you want. Um, I know, you know, the uh, Isaac over at Vector Custom Shop, great dude. He's like, yeah, run us against everybody else. He thinks the same. He's like, you know, our arrows are the best arrows. Never shot anything better. So it's good. I mean, everybody can make their own choice, right? Yeah. So good to know. So reason we got Cam on today is because Cam killed a slammer in North Dakota um what is it four days ago five days ago so uh, like
1: Sat- saturday so six that's days ago. Yep.
0: yeah dude that's and that's awesome um so this is for everybody listening this is the beginning of of the deer vein whitetail series it's two roughly two podcasts a week sometimes three sometimes one depending on how we do this but essentially i scour the instagrams and the facebook's and the tiktoks of the world find people that i kind of know that uh that have killed great deer get them on the podcast. We tell a story and then we, we, uh, dissect it, figure out how you guys can do that in your own life. So that's what we're up to today. I want cam to kind of run through his story. I mean, you can introduce yourself as well. Give a little bit of a little bit more of a background if you want to, but then, yeah, man, I want to hear, I want to hear the full story and then, uh, yeah, try to try to pick apart some, uh, what I want to say some strategies and some tactics that anybody else can relate to.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks, man, for having me on. And I feel I feel honored to be a part of the Deer Vein Whitetail series. <laughs> um, the first I like the, one.
0: Pre- I, it's the premiere. <laughs> I, I like the
1: idea of it. Um, I'm all about education, obviously, and everyone needs some entertainment in their lives. So um, yeah. my name's Cameron is Cameron Durham, the creative director for Exodus. So I anything uh, digitally, YouTube, um, social media, TikTok, all that stuff. I kind of am the director of that um, coolest job in the world. I'll just preface preface that Uh, I have the coolest job in the world and it allows me to do things like travel to North Dakota and hunt and having a podcast platform myself. And then having the Exodus podcast, I get to talk and learn from the best of the best hunters across the country. And I just am able to soak up so much information because of my job that my learning curve has shortened like drastically. I've only been bow hunting for seven years now. And I mean, I have, uh, I have, have had a lot of success in those seven years and it's all because of the position that I'm in. So I, I owe it to Exodus and I owe it to everyone that's helped me along the way. I am just uh, on the receiving end of it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty lucky, but anyway, yeah, this is the second year for us going out to North Dakota. Last year, I killed the biggest buck of my life previously Um, 144-inch, clean 10, and it was kind of a spot that we just picked on the map based on North Dakota having a drought. So North Dakota was in a really big drought last year, and we wanted a spot that obviously had a lot of public access and had a lot of water. So we just picked some spots on a map, and we started obviously coming from the east. We just picked the easternmost part of the state, started scouting around, didn't find what we liked and started heading North. is, this,
0: is this last year or this year?
1: Last year, which last gonna, year. Okay. Yep. And that's gonna, we went back to the same spot this year. So um, I guess it leads into it, but um, yeah. so we started going North, found a spot that had a bunch of water and a bunch of public access. And we actually learned while we were out there, it was kind of told to us, but we didn't trust it, but ground that's not posted in North Dakota like private ground that's not posted, you can hunt, which is the weirdest thing in the world to me. But um, there is a lot of availability for a bow hunter out there is basically what I'm getting at. And we had a lot of water in the area. There was some river systems. There were some uh, lakes. So we wanted to just make sure we found ourselves in a spot with water. turns out uh, in a four-day trip, I killed the biggest buck of my life. And my buddy, Trey Kearns, that was with me out there, killed on the last day so we were like man how do we not go back to that area well this year we go back out there and um we just head straight to the same campground and we didn't go out there preseason or anything we get out there and the crop rotation is like uh, throws us the biggest curveball we would ever think so last year a lot of corn Obviously soybeans. I mean, this area in North Dakota is all agriculture. You don't have any timber. So you're just in, it's all agriculture. So you have to rely on the crop rotation pretty heavily. And what we thought would happen was everything that was beans would be corn. Everything that was corn would be beans and it would just flip flop. Well, there was zero corn. And last year, the buck I killed was better than standing corn. So cover becomes super scarce now right so we're like okay well now you have even more limited bedding opportunities for these deer because there's no standing corn or are they just going to go find the corn we weren't sure i mean it's nothing for those deer to travel 10 miles out there it's just from cover to cover so um we we struggled right off the bit trying to locate deer and so we got there on a wednesday night glassed Wednesday night, drove around, just trying to find, locate deer, how they were using the crop rotation, because everything that was corn was, is wheat now and all the wheat was cut. So there was just nothing there. Those, those fields are just barren fields. Like the deer weren't feeding in them. They weren't using them at all. So at, at first it's a struggle, but it also kind of helped us narrow down whether they were actually using. So on
0: when, when you were there on Wednesday, um, <clears throat> is that opening day? or are you no
1: are uh, you, season opens on friday at noon
0: okay so you're there a few days early yep okay perfect yeah i just just curious because that always plays into some of the anxiety of like getting out there right because if it's opening day and you wake up and you're like oh shit crops are different then you're like scrambling right versus yeah. if you got a few days it's not like as like we're like okay it's fine it sucks but we're gonna start looking yeah, anyway. that's what. That's yeah. why we.
1: That's why we did that because we anticipated there being some difference, and right. we we're like, well, let's go out to the spots that we um, were on last year. We'll take Wednesday night, drive around, see what they're doing. Thursday night or Thursday during the day, we'll just use Thursday to hang cameras and continue to boots on the ground, scout different areas and find uh, find what's going on. But so Thursday. Um, we did that. We hung cameras on some properties Thursday night, Wednesday night, we located a deer in an area that we never, we didn't hunt previously. He was, uh, probably 150 inch deer, uh, out of velvet though. And we we were like, Oh, we we come out here to get a velvet and then you see 150 inch deer and that all goes out the window. So, um, (laughs) Thursday night I glassed him, the bean field that he was feeding in. And my buddy Trey just drove around, And it's a good thing that he drove around because my glassing um, didn't pay off. I didn't see that deer and he found a bunch of different deer and he actually found, um, it was pretty cool. There was a deer that was with the buck that I shot last year. I had him on camera. He was in the very same exact spot that I shot that deer last year. Um, When my buddy Trey was driving around, he found him and I was like, okay, I'm switching gears. I'm going back after that deer. Cause it's like, kind of have a little bit of history with them which is cool on a diy out of state hunt like you don't expect to have that so i was like okay i'm switching gears so this is now friday opening day and i don't have a beat on what that deer was doing he just was using a fence row um that i had previously seen the deer use but we had a different wind from thursday night to friday night (coughs) excuse me so Friday night, I was like, okay, well, I have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday to hunt if need be Friday. I'm going to glass. I need to know what the deer is doing. My, my whole strategy out West, um, in the open country is I need a visual and I need confirmation that this is what this deer wants to do based on the wind direction that I can hunt. Cause typically in September, what you see them doing is what they're going to do again. As long as you have the same, um, Wind direction. So Friday night, I just glass and I got a little Rammy Friday night. I glassed and two bucks stand up out of the beans. They're bedded like so out there, cattails are the bedding. That's the structure. And they're bedded on the downwind side of like the downwind edge of the cattails. So I see them stand up and I, I think the one deer that I see is the one that I'm in there for. I'm like, Oh my God. And, you know, it's, it's opening day. I have a bone in my hand. I'm going to put a stock on this deer and I'm on my hands and knees crawling through these 12 foot cattails, making so much noise, man. Like, but I was like, it's, it's deer season. I'm going out there. I got a little Rammy. I did get drawn back on the deer. I got to 61 yards and I got drawn back. And by the time I got over there, they were cresting the Hill in the bean field. So I was just, A little bit i was like a minute too late and i probably would have released an arrow i was like prepared to shoot 60 out there and turns out that that was not the deer that i was even after but man like the experience of like stalking one like that i was like i'm shooting this deer regardless of what it is so anyways we have about 25 minutes left of light i run back to my glassing knob and i get phone scope footage of an absolute giant like a mega like just clean typical um just freaking giant and i was like what the heck that's a 170 something inch deer and i was like 400 yards from him making a ruckus Which, like lesson learned stay on the glassing knob you know
0: and yeah well yeah i mean you could have been in the cattails and he could have just appeared too and you would have been like the one that i'm at is at 60 yards and this monster is at 42 yeah yeah so <laughs> right but anyway continue
1: So that changed my plans there. But, um, I did, I just was like Saturday night, I'm going to have to glass again because I don't know what that deer wants to do. I don't know how to get close to him. Um, like all these things are running through my mind. I'm like, what in the world do I do? Because the way he was bedded, it was just like kind of inapproachable. Um, so I was like just struggling to think of a plan, but that night my buddy Trey is hunting um, on a piece of property that we actually got permission on it was a it was a piece that he was driving around and we drove around it Wednesday and we're like this is the spot but it's private it's posted we have to try to ask them for permission and it's one of those things where it was like the family owns like 10,000 acres like super intimidating you know you're like yeah do you do you even go ask them well we went and asked them and they were the nicest people in the world and they're like uh yeah go ahead i mean um we don't see many deer around here uh but you could try it and we're like you sir don't don't know what you have (laughs) that wednesday night and thursday night we glassed up like 10 different bucks using this one bean field and yeah he's like oh we don't see many deer i'm like okay well (laughs) this is the spot so he yeah. was over, he was over there hunting, um, about a quarter mile away from that bean field. There was a cattail slough, and he was capitalizing on the bedding there, but what made that spot so good was there were standing bean, there were standing corn. It was the only corn for like 20 miles. So the deer, mm-hmm. the deer did kind of move to that cover. So I hunt there or a, a glass Friday night, Friday or Saturday morning we hung a trail camera on that spot on that 2000 acre chunk that we got permission on. And Saturday morning, that camera is blowing up with like buck after buck after buck. And they're all using this low spot in this bean field. And I was like, well, the, there's a giant on the property that I killed last year and there's some really big deer on this trail camera, the giant. I have no idea how to get close to. I don't think I can get close to him. The one on the bean field, I have a play on. I can I can do this. So switch gears and so Saturday, um, yeah, Saturday of the bow season, Trey goes back to where he was hunting and I crawl into this spot on the edge of a bean field. There's like some standing corn behind me. And what made this spot so good was there's like a draw system. There's like four little draws that went down into a lake. And then along the edge of the lake was just all cattails. So you had Cattail bedding in the bottom, which does are probably bedded down there. And then you have these draws that had the only like timber structure, but it wasn't, they were just like bushes, you know, they were just like brushy draws. Yeah. And I, are you on I, the,
0: are you, are both of you on the piece of private at this point?
1: Yeah. So he yeah, is okay. like a quarter mile away from me, um, hunting a different cattail slough. And then I'm, I'm like south of him about, about a quarter mile on the bean field. Okay. And he Got stayed. It. He stayed in that spot because he had a, a like a 150 inch steer at 88 yards, and he's like, oh, I saw what he did. I'm gonna make a move on him. Um, okay. So he he stayed over there. So this pro I mean, this 2,000 acres had, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm not kidding. Like, probably 10 bucks over 130 within a quarter mile. Damn, it's like, I mean,
0: wow. yeah, and you that's, you attribute that to the standing corn.
1: Yeah, well, it just had everything, man. Like the property had that draw system that went down to the lake. It had standing corn. It had standing beans. It had cattails. Like there just wasn't anything that it didn't have. So the, like, when we were driving around, it we like this. This is the spot. We need to get access to this property somehow. That just turns out that the landowners were nice enough to give us
0: permission. But were were all the beans still completely green?
1: In this spot, yeah where i was yeah. hunting where i was hunting that i killed the deer last year they were starting to yellow pretty good there was only a little patch of green beans left
0: were you seeing so then those deer were still in that spot even though like part of the beans were yellow and part of them were green
1: yeah but then when they were feeding they were seriously concentrated on the part that was green they just followed the the line um gotcha. but out there man they don't they just don't have a whole lot of options like they're not going to go to an oak grove any there's no there's no oaks so they have to kind of take what they can get and uh ag in in an ag sense
0: right no and i yeah i'm just i'm really curious on that because wisconsin season opens uh it'll be it opens october or september 17th this will drop on september 12th so uh, by the time season opens in most states, besides North Dakota, South Dakota, and like Tennessee and Kentucky, like beans are beans are yellow,
1: or yeah, at least they're
0: partially yellow. Right. Yeah. And like, it seems like it becomes a ghost town. Like everyone's like, look at all my trail cameras of all these nice bucks. And then season hits and it's like, I don't know where the fuck they went. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I was listening code, to
1: yeah. uh, Dan Infault on the way back home and he was sure. talking about, um, so where Josh Talker was hunting in Nebraska, they had he had the option of acorns or beans because the beans were green and the acorns were dropping. And Dan was like, if you have acorns, no matter what, like that's where you want to be. And it turns out that's where Josh killed that deer was in, in an oak grove um, okay. on the edge of a green bean field. So the beans were still green, but acorns were still king.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That's a great, great hot tip early season yeah. <laughs> for everybody out there. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: um, if I had the opportunity to target acorns out there i I probably would have but um like i said there's nothing it's just it's just agriculture everywhere so yeah saturday i get tucked in um there's obviously no trees in the area so and the way the the bean field is it's hard to picture but there's a big drop off that goes down into these draws so if you were to sit in the brush that the draws had you wouldn't be able to shoot into the bean field because the drop off was too steep. You'd be able to see their antlers. You'd be able to see their heads, but their their vitals wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be in view. So there was like a buffer strip of some like sagebrush and just some high weeds. And it was like standing corn, this buffer strip and then all out into the beans and where the corn and the beans met was the main draw system. That went down into the cattails and into the lake. So, I anticipate, sure. like strategically, all the thermals are gonna drop to the lowest point of the bean field. That lowest point of the bean field drops down into that draw. So, your thermals are just gonna be dropping down into that draw the whole time. So, all those deer walking up into that bean field have the thermal advantage coming down. So, I know that's where they're gonna enter. And when we went and scouted it and hung the camera, like that's exactly what we saw. The trails were leading right down into there we did see that some of the deer were bedding in the corn and some were bedding in the draws. And when we accessed, we walked through the draws and there was just beds everywhere. So I got into that, um, buffer strip and I just, there was like high weeds there. And I just sat, sat on my butt right in those weeds. And I stayed on the downwind side of that draw where they were entering the bean field. So I had the corn to my back and, um, the spot where I had the corn to my back, I didn't anticipate deer bedding it. Um, from the, I mean, you have to give something up, but from the way the camera showed those bucks exiting the bean field, I thought I was going to be safe. And then the wind would still have been in their advantage to enter the bean field from the corn. So I had just like a, I was splitting, like say I'm entering from the South to the North I'm splitting, the, like I'm sitting directly north, splitting the west and east of where the deer bedded. So they were bedded to my west, they were bedded to my east, and the wind was blowing directly from the south. So I was kind of, I mean, if they J-hook into the beans, I should still be just off of where they're going to enter the field, and that's what happened. So um, I had two does come in right away. At like okay, oh, let me,
0: hold on. I got I to gotta, I gotta talk this one through with you okay all right so um deer are exiting the field in that like kind of ditch system right and that's where your camera showed so the deer were exiting the field in the morning um into this ditch which you're assuming they're going down that ditch to go bed and they're very likely to come out of the ditch in the evening right so like your point is i need to be able to shoot this ditch which the ditch the corn and the beans all come together in like a corner yep. right yep so then and and if i'm looking at a map the the beans are west the the corn is east and then the ditch is to the directly in the, to the south does that make yep. sense
1: no so um the corn would be to the north okay the, dr- the draw would be to the west okay the beans gotcha. would be to the south
0: and that's okay Got it. So then you have a South wind, you're entering from the South. You said you have a South wind you're coming up and you're going through all the beans and you're going like what, 20 yards kind of into the corn and a bit, or are you right on the edge of the corn and the beans? I'm I'm
1: not quite in the corn and I'm not quite in the beans. There is that buffer strip there that just had all high weeds. And um, my, my access, it was, the so the draw system was pretty hilly so okay. my access worked because i wasn't exposed to the beans and the corn but i was above the draw system so i was hidden pretty much the entire way except for one spot there could have been an area where if those bucks were bedded in that draw that they probably could have seen me but i entered at like three o'clock in the afternoon didn't get dark okay. until 8:30 yeah so i have time. the I have the thermal rise working up, so my wind is at my back, but it's cutting the two spots where the, I think they're betting. It's going right in between them, and so it's pulling up because of the thermal rise and yep. um at three o'clock the deer could be i mean they could have their eyes closed, you know what i mean they're not they're not worried the about it soon. yeah so yeah. i was I was safe in that aspect, and I got in there early because I just didn't know how I was going to be able to get myself in a position to where I can shoot them. If I'm too low, I'm not going to be able to shoot into the beans. If I'm too high, I'm exposed. So my shot was into the beans. I, I knew I had to get into the beans because the way they would come out in from the draw, I, I was too high. I wouldn't be able to see them until they got into the beans.
0: Got it. Because there was
1: enough terrain there. Because it just kind of – man, it just like kind of just dropped off all into one point. And You, you know it. that's the way that they're going to access, you know. Mm-hmm. so. <clears throat> um, but the other deer were exiting higher up into the bean field further to the east. So they were like going up into the standing corn way up there. So if they work down the edge of the corn to come into the beans, I'm still good with my wind. The only way they get me is if they come directly behind me and it was oh, like, like the
0: middle of the corn.
1: Yeah. And I just didn't anticipate that happening.
0: Right. So, you think they're going to take one of the edges. Yep. And then filter in. Yep. Got and it. I just,
1: I just, like, from scouting and from just the, the way the terrain laid out, you just knew that that draw system was going to be, I mean, it was like a gorge almost where they just had, <laughs> they just had to come up that spot. And I had two does come down from down the corn edge, and they just, like, circled right in front of me. I mean, fifth like, mm. the, the bean edge where it wraps around was probably 10 yards from me. So gotcha. they, they worked down the edge of the beans and, um, there were some beds kind of below me on the edge that I figured the deer would just use at night. You know, they'd like yeah, feed yeah. Feet up in the beans, come down in bed. Well, that doe comes and lays down like 15 yards from me. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm just sitting, I'm just sitting down on my butt in weeds that are like this high. So I'm like kind of right, so no,
0: no chair, no, no, nothing. Just literally on your butt.
1: Yep. Just, just okay. on my butt. And then, um, I'll kind of talk about after I tell the story why I think it worked for me and how I, how I got creative to make it work. But um, so those does come in, she goes and beds down until the sun goes down. And when the sun goes down, my thermals just start dropping right to her. And I'm like, Oh my God, the gig is up. So I hear her stand up and I hear her start stomping, you know, there's just like, boom, boom. And she just keeps getting closer. I'm like, Oh my God, please don't. So it was like, uh would say eight o'clock right it's eight o'clock last shooting lights 844 and i'm like okay i have a little bit of time here i took my bow and i just held it above the weeds and i just started moving it around because i wanted her to leave and I, I wanted to startle her in a way that she wouldn't blow i thought she would just freak out and go well she ran down that freaking gorge blowing and i'm like no oh God, man. <laughs> i'm like this is over You know, there's no way this is going to happen. Well,
0: your your thermals are not dropping down the gorge. They're dropping like straight down below you into the bean field. But by the time they get there, you'll have a shot.
1: Yeah. Okay. So they were just dropping into this little. I mean, there was like the the draw. There was like four different draws. And there was a a smaller draw that my thermals were pulling down into. And it just was like a bowl almost. And if they weren't in there when I accessed, they weren't going to come there that was gotcha. how it worked. so I, I was given i was given that up with my thermals yeah <clears throat> and the i mean 25 30 minutes go by at 8 30 i see um a body come out of that gorge and it is a freaking mega giant eight point dude i'm talking like hard, a hard horned um the frame on this deer, man, was just incredible. Like the biggest eight point I've ever seen in my entire life. And I don't know if anyone else does this, but um, I talk to myself out loud when I'm hunting. And <laughs> I I said, "Holy shit, I'll shoot that deer." And I like remember saying that. And I was like, "Oh my god!" So I'm starting to get ready. And then boom, another one comes out, and it's the buck I shot, 164 inch full velvet ten point. I'm like, "Oh my god!" And another deer comes out, and it's another full velvet 10 point i'm like what the heck maybe i'll shoot that one i'm like (laughs) dude i'm I'm losing my mind how
0: how far are these deer when you see them and for the first time
1: 35 yards
0: oh my god
1: (laughs) yeah and i'm just like sitting on my butt you know and i'm like oh my god like what the hell is happening so the way they're feeding in this bean field i have to act kind of quickly because they're going to end up feeding out of my shooting window i had a very small window and um so they're just kind of milling around, and I I get the full draw, and I, I want to shoot the big velvet ten point because so I was like I came out here I want velvet, so yeah. he's feeding and he's like perfectly broadside and I draw back you know and I'm all I'm all good and then that hard horn eight point smacks him in the head, and he like they like start to um, go after each other a little bit, yeah, and they both are now facing. One's facing the hard horned eight point is facing directly at me. And the other one's facing directly away from me, the one that I want to shoot. And I'm at full draw. I'm like, Oh my God, man. Like the one's facing me and I'm on, I'm just, my cover's good, but I'm like, I could get busted pretty easily if I move. And and so I'm like, I just need to hold this bow back until he turns and gives me a broadside shot. And it got to be like 45 seconds in. And I was like, I'm just going to let my bow down. And I started to, and the hard horn eight point puts his head up and, you know, and he like looks in my direction, like, Oh my God, did he see me? So I just like muscled it back to full draw. Yeah. And I don't know if that hard horn eight point saw me or saw the movement, but um, the 10 point kind of takes his body and he just like kind of contours to look behind him. So he's pretty hard quartering away. And I just put settled my pin like right behind his shoulder and just, drilled him, like 30 33
0: yeah uh, how how far sorry
1: 33 dang yeah
0: that's awesome man it was
1: it was a riot I lost my freaking mind after I shot him dude because I was like those were like there was four shooter bucks the other one was an eight point that I didn't even end up seeing until after I shot like, there were four shooters 30 yards from me. Like, I will never have that experience where I live. And yeah. I'm like, dude, I just lost my mind. Like, I was trying to glass them to watch them run, and I'm just like, my glass is going everywhere, and I, <laughs> I can't see anything.
0: I knew just shaking, shaking like yeah. a leaf.
1: It was so bizarre, man. I just like that. Doe, I thought she blew me, you know? So my guard was up, and I was just like, oh, I'm just going to sit here until it gets dark and I'll sneak out of here, you know? I, Did not expect it. After that, I did not expect it to happen. And those deer that came in were not the deer that I had on camera. Like the deer that I had on camera in there were like, they're nice bucks, you know. Like I'm gonna go in there and shoot them. Out of state, you have four days, like yeah, open young caliber deer is like getting the business. Yeah. I did not expect to go out there and shoot the deer that I shot. I promise you that. And I promise you, if that deer didn't show up and 125-inch deer did show up he was getting the business too like i didn't go out there targeting a four-year-old 160 inch deer like i just got lucky that that was the deer that presented me a
0: shot yeah oh man (laughs) that's awesome dude that is so cool so um you mentioned previously that uh well first of all congrats gotta digest all this I I have a lot of questions and I'm gonna to try to figure out what order <laughs> I want to ask them in. Um so first of all, you potentially like letting down and then pulling back up, like perked that eight point, which then potentially perked the 10 point to give you the shot that you needed.
1: I think that's what happened. I think that eight point was like, oh, there's something over there. And that 10 point was like, oh, I want to check that out too. Right. And he he just torn he just turned his body just enough to where yeah. I just I mean if I had a if I had a poorly shooting arrow I couldn't have made the shot but <laughs> thankfully I had the the Exodus MMTs and I was able to thread the needle
0: Nice yeah that's perfect great block man well done <laughs> well done sir
1: <laughs> But I want um, I want I want to touch on one thing real quick so the creativeness with getting in that spot so if you were to go into that area and you had no you were just like stuck in a mindset where you needed to be in a tree or you need to be in a ground blind or you have to have a bunch of cover to get it done. You would not have hunted this area. It just wouldn't, it just wouldn't have stood out to you. But what I did was I took a T post with me just like a fence post. And I got, I, I initially had planned on sitting in the bush and putting this T post out in front of me to give myself some front cover But when I sat down in that bush, I couldn't shoot the beans. So I was like, I need to get somewhere else that has enough cover. I got in that buffer strip, put that T-post in the ground, and I zip tied the native vegetation to the T-post out in front of me. So it gave me like a wall of cover in front of me. And the back cover was tall enough that it was above my head. So I was just in this little hole in that um, buffer strip. But if I didn't have that T-post in front of me, there's no cover at all out in front of me. So I would have been busted from the get-go. So something that I'm going to be doing and started doing, if I know that I'm going to be in an area where I have to hunt on the ground, I'm just carrying a T-post with me and zip-tying some brush to the, in front of it and hiding right behind it. I mean, it was, I'll send you a picture um, when we get off here. Actually, I'll send it to you while we're talking so you can look at it. But the hide, man, it was just like, it was incredible i mean uh, l- looking back i don't even know that he maybe even saw me let down so it, no, it was that it, it, was, it was that, that is
0: yeah. a that's a great yeah i mean that's a great point great idea uh first of all so t-post as in just like a metal like a metal t-post that you just like essentially you you put on the ground and you step on it and shove it down and 100%. then you brought some zip ties with you to just kind of string some shit up in front of yep. you yep gotcha So first, like, first of all, yeah, hundred percent, like that, that makes sense. Secondly, the, uh, the idea that you have to be in a tree stand or you have to, I'm pulling these pictures up. Oh yeah. Dude, you can't even tell that there's a T post there or anything. Nope. Dude, that's wild. So for everybody listening, um, go to, I don't know. Are you going to post this at some point? Yeah, I will. Okay. So yeah uh what what is your handle cam
1: cam Cam the cameraman
0: yep i will post that in the show notes for everybody listening cam the cameraman on instagram um yeah i mean it literally looks kind of like uh it's it's is the brush the brush stuff that you built up is like high quality like a ghillie suit like you have no idea it's even there and he's got this little pocket they got this little hidey hole, <laughs> man. That's pretty sweet. I can definitely see how you were able to to make that happen. Um, the uh, so that's a great idea with the t post The other the other idea is yeah, you can't get stuck like you have to go where the deer are and whatever. Like you had what the original block that 170 inch that you had looked at. You were like, dude, I can't. There is no way to make this work. The way he's bedded, the way it sets up, the way I'd have to enter and exit or whatever it is, is just not, it's going to be really difficult. And I'm going to have to get really lucky to make this happen. Yep. However, like you move to a different spot where it still wasn't looking good, but it was doable. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is like, this is doable. You have, you have a little bit of higher odds and it's still not your standard, you know, Cottonwood, North Dakota hunt that you see all the time. People in the tree, like waiting on the edge of a bean field. Here they come. And last year I had Dylan lens on from breaking point and he did the exact same thing. There's this giant marsh. No one ever, like no other pressure around there. Cause there are no trees. They didn't find any other hunter pressure or anything. They set up a ground blind a week ahead of time, went out there, checked their cams. And they're like, Holy crap. There's a bunch of nice bucks out here. Bam. Here they come. Right. Same different, different scenario. Cause they had a ground blind. Whereas you like built a ground blind the day of, but that, I mean, you have to go where the deer are. And if you have the, there's no other option. Right. So you just make it, you make it work. Um, and from, from my end, like I haven't done that in the whitetail woods, but I've done that many times in Turkey woods this year, um, a big grass open field. And there were two giant toms in it. I crawled 90 yards, like flat on my belly through one and a half foot tall grass. And I didn't think it was going to work. It sucked. It was like 80 (sighs) degrees out. And I was crawling over ant hills and I was just like squirting my way through all this stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, cracked my phone while I was doing uh. all this. Like, it sucked. Like, I was like, God damn it, you know, and it just sucked. But then the two toms come in, I blast one. Fantastic. You know, um, get all that meat and everything. But the idea or the concept of it's not it's not a turkey blind with decoys and a call like that. That works, but not all the time. And same with deer hunting. You know, if you're out hunting public ground or you, a lot of times private ground too, the deer know where your stands are. They know where people like to be. Yep. If you can get creative like you did, like you can really surprise them. I bet those deer hadn't, I mean, it's only four days in the season, but they're four years old, five years old. If they were there years past, I bet no one's tried that tactic on them.
1: I guarantee it. Yeah. I, I guarantee anyone that's been, I mean, even like the landowners are like, I don't know how you're going to get close to them. Like, like well, they, we do yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was like hundred percent. You have to have a creative mindset if you're going to hunt in scenarios like that, because like that 170 inch year you were talking about my access, I just couldn't get close to him no matter what he would smell me or see me. It wasn't a matter. Like if I could get close to him, I could have killed him. I could have gotten myself into a position where, okay, I can hide myself here. This is what he wants to do. But I just couldn't get to that point without him yeah. seeing me so that was the that was the struggle there and I just couldn't get over that hurdle I mean I was like there was a lake behind them. I'm considering swimming the lake trying to get like trying to come in from behind of them. but like my adrenaline wore out and I was like I'm not going to swim that lake but um, <laughs> I, I was like yeah that was it man I just that, there was no way to access it so I just took my the other option there and like I said it wasn't the target deer wasn't a giant deer like that. It just, I was in a, I'm in a really good area out there. And it's like, <laughs> I told, uh, I forget who I told, I better be careful saying this, but I think that area where I'm at might be better than Iowa. <laughs> Honestly, man, like the amount of deer and the pressure, there's zero pressure. We didn't see the two years going out there, the same opening week. We have not seen another honor.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. And I like, dude, I you're not gonna you're not gonna offend me at all by saying by saying it's better than Iowa or Wisconsin or anything. I think isolated pockets of terrain and and, uh, areas are better than others. Doesn't matter what fucking state you're in.
1: Yeah, I just don't want people I don't want people tracking me down thinking it's better than
0: Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! You have you gotta you gotta lease that shit out next year. (laughs) You gotta go get a lease on that bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Hey man, I know there's no deer out here, but I'll give you 200 bucks to not (laughs) let anyone else out here. Um. So, no, that's yeah. Um. I, I, I would agree. I would certainly agree because I do think that there are certain tracks of ground that are better than others in every single state. And you're going to find pieces in Ohio, in Michigan, in Illinois, in Wisconsin, in West Virginia and Pennsylvania, you're going to find like chunks that are just phenomenal. And it's, maybe it's terrain, maybe it's the climate, maybe it's the pressure, maybe it's genetics, maybe it's all of them, maybe it's the food sources. There's all sorts of reasons, things are factors that can play into why isolated pockets of, of deer are better than others. Obviously you got a really nice spot over here. Yeah. Keep it close to your chest for, for sure. Um, so how for backing up a little bit um, exit and entry to the spot where you killed that buck, was it like, from where you parked, was it like a straight line shot? Was it a pretty obvious entry and exit route or were you having to do anything funny and special to get in there?
1: Um, it, not, It wasn't, uh, it wasn't obvious, but it wasn't something really crazy. I mean, I just needed to follow that hillside to where I was above where they were bedded because of the thermal pool, and um, I needed to be hidden from the standing corn until I got to where I needed to be. So the way the terrain laid out, I could just kind of face the side of the hill until right. I got to above that draw. Above that draw, I was more exposed to the corn than I was the draw. I, I wanted to give up because I was closest to hunting the draw, not the corn. And right. I knew th- I knew there were, um, I knew there were deer in both and I just didn't want to booger that one up. So I kind of gave up the corn at that point. Um, but it was a like one and done. Like it was a risk where like, if you don't kill something here, it's over because my exit was along the edge of the bean field. Garbage. So yeah, it was like, <laughs> This is a, I mean, it's a four day trip. This isn't something I'm going to do if I have a long, long time to hunt. Um, I just, it was a hail Mary. Yeah. So the entrance was good. The exit would have been absolutely terrible.
0: (laughs) No, it's good to know you're going all in, right? I'm in it. I'm going to be here. Yeah. The exit. I mean, in any scenario, maybe you can crawl back into the corn and crawl out of the corn, but they're probably going to smell you.
1: If I, and I, I could have done that, but if I would have done that uh, to get to the next road was probably four miles. <laughs> I would have been walking yep. forever.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. It's it, good to know. Right. One and done, get in, man, figure, figure it out or maybe take a coyote call or something with you to try to spook them out. If you are in that scenario, um, yeah, I've heard and, of people doing that, but
1: in my opinion on like, especially on a short hunt, like you need to get it right the first time you need to get in there and get it right. The first time you have to be pretty precise. Um, and if you screwed up, go hunt somewhere else or go find something else because you only have four days to get it done. Right. So if you sit back, if I would have sat back, um, and just watched again, but I was close enough to know that they were hunted, everything changes. I just told him right. I was coming for him. Like Dan infall talks about the proverbial slap them on the ass and tell him you're coming. You just have to go in there and either kill them, or you just move on
0: right no that's fair and i i i've certainly taken that approach many times and i've certainly not killed them many times oh yeah yeah. right you'll
1: have you'll have a bunch of those but then you just gotta take it and say okay well this is what to do or what not to do and i mean count not don't count the spot off but keep a camera there whatever and let it cool back down and go hunt somewhere else yeah yeah find another spot to screw up (laughs) (laughs)
0: right and that's why you were saying earlier like glassing is so important for you getting their days early is important for you um it's just so that you know what they're doing how they're doing it and you glass 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 kill right or whatever like you get your scouting done and then you go in and and find that magic bullet um i
1: I will not hunt until i know that i have a bead on a deer like just seeing them is not okay like if i see one then the next night that i think is in a killable area the next night i'm gonna watch them and I'm going to see what he does. And if I don't have a an option B and I still don't have a good play on him, I'm going to watch him again and see if he does something sure. similar and be like, okay, well, this is what I can do. I'd rather have on a four-day hunt, I'd rather have one hunt where I kill.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah
1: that's I only hunted one time. I last Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Killed Saturday. All
0: right. Well, you made that stock <laughs> through the cattails. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was
1: a, yeah, a that, Hail that was Mary. A, that was supposed to be a glassing night I got a little
0: excited. <laughs> so then those, the, how did you know to even put that camera there? Did Trey glass those up one while you were glassing the other spot? Wednesday night, we saw them okay. driving
1: around. And gotcha. just the way the terrain laid out, it was like, we know from hunting there last year, yeah. knowing that you need standing corn, knowing you need cattails, knowing you need water, knowing you need a summer food source. This is the spot so we just went um we checked it out we're just looking for tracks and trails and stuff we're like okay yeah we definitely need to put a camera here and there were some rubs on some of those brushy trees from when the bucks were rubbing their velvet off so we knew there were bucks in the area and then um we when he was driving around thursday night again he confirmed that there were bucks in there
0: okay got it so you guys had an idea they were there then the trail camera told you yep this is what they're doing and then yeah you're good to go um The, the last, the last thing I know we both, we both got meetings here in in 10 minutes, um, sitting on your butt. A lot of people don't do that because it's really difficult to make the shot right. From sitting on your ass. How did, how did that like work out for you? I, you want to sit on your butt because it creates a smaller profile of yourself. Right. But at the same time, like, it's really hard to shoot that. So how, like talk me through making that shot.
1: Well, um, I, hunt that way a lot i hunt pretty unorthodox a lot so i practice that i i practice okay. shooting from my butt often because i know that i'm gonna find myself in those scenarios but um the way i was sit i was actually below the deer where he was feeding okay. so if i were to get on my knees i'm like fully exposed so i had to stay on my butt and i just put like one my right leg would be like under my left leg to give myself some stability And, um, that's just more of a a practice thing, you know, and you can, when you're on the ground and you're like kind of hunched over, you can really tighten your core up and you can get really stable. And I find that it's easier for me to draw slowly when I'm in a a smaller position so I could draw real slow and get back a lot more solid. And I also felt maybe it was my adrenaline, but I was able to hold the bow back longer than if I was just freely standing up and my core wasn't tight. Right. I wasn't really focused on holding it back, but man, the the shot looks like perfect. If you look at the picture, it looks perfect. Yeah. It wasn't very good. I was too far forward because of how quartered he was and because I was, I was below him. So I only got one lung. The deer went three quarters of a mile.
0: Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah, it looks like, like, I mean, if it were perfectly broadside, it looks like a great shot. Um, so then, I mean, it had to uh, caught one long come out like the front of the chest or whatever.
1: It came up out here, like
0: behind, behind his, his neck.
1: Down. Yeah. Cause Holy I was so, no. I was so far below him and it, it like went up through him. Yeah. Yeah. It was like Dang. not, I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't that great of a shot. Well, I'm, I'm like looking at him, like, oh my God, I smoked him, you know? But my gut told me like he was quartered away pretty hard. We should probably give him some time. Gave him three hours and we found him at like one thirty two in the morning, and he never laid down. He walked and walked and walked, and he followed this fence line um, that was, like, on the edge of the lake. He was trying to get to the lake, but he just didn't have enough because his one lung was taken out. He didn't have enough to jump the fence, so he followed the fence until the fence turned, and he laid down right where the fence turned because he was like, um, it's over, and he died right there.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, so... I think
1: the on-extract was, like,
0: 0.68. Damn. Yeah. So, I mean, did you watch him while you were shaking through your binos? Were you watching him just run off down that fence line?
1: As much as I could. Well, he went down that gorge, and I couldn't see him anymore. Oh, gotcha. when I first shot him, I knew that the shot was good enough to kill him. But I was like, it's not the best. But I shot him, and I see, like, the the vein sticking out the back. I'm like, okay, well, I have enough penetration. And then he gets on top, like, at the very highest point in the bean field looks around flicks his tail and then he just does the like death run down that gorge i'm like oh he just piled up right there this is what i thought in my head i was like he just piled up right there because like you know when their legs go out from under him they just pile drive that's what it looked like he did and apparently that death run took him three (laughs) three quarters of a mile to expire i mean we had good blood the entire way and he just, oh, okay. just, he never laid down and then like a half mile into the track, the um, broadhead unthreaded from the arrow and the arrow released. And we found okay. the arrow and then there was like a big blood clot. And after that blood clot, I mean, he was just pouring, pouring blood out. Sure. And he, he died like 200 yards past that.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And that's one of those things is when when your arrow does stick in them, like you, you're just, not going to get a good blood trail because it's clogging everything. You're, You're just, just going to fall what was
1: dripping wants... down from the arrow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's why people always say like, or not everybody, but a lot of people want two holes. Yeah. Right. You want that, you want that exit hole. You got to have two holes. So it makes for an easy, easy, much easier track. If yeah. and Especially if they clot, then that's even like harder. Cause if right. not saying that, like the, it did obviously didn't happen, but that clot could form right around that arrow, that arrow could get stuck in there and it could just pool in his chest. I've had that happen before you have a deer that you kill and there's like very little to no blood trail and you cut them open and it's just gallons coming out. Cause it just, yep. no.
1: Yep. Yeah. It was, it, I mean, I was on the verge of potentially like having a very bad deal go there. You know, I had like, two holes i had them it was sticking yeah. out both sides but um those deer dude they're just so freaking big and fatty and there was so much and like at that angle i just had to go through so much and it just yeah just stuck in there but it was a pretty i mean it was, talk about a roller coaster going from seeing like four giant bucks getting an arrow in one and then you start tracking the deer down this big gorge and up the other side I'm like, no way he's dead. He's going uphill. There's no way he's dead. That's right. what I was thinking.
0: I mean, then just we, anxiety. Like. We,
1: reco- we recover him, whatever, 0. 0.65, half, quarter of a mile, three quarters of a mile away. And then, like, we turn our flashlights off and I'm just like, fall to my knees. You know, I'm like, oh my God, thank God. I look up in the sky, northern lights. First time I've ever seen them in my life.
0: No shit. Dude, it was so cool. Oh, man. Icing <laughs> on the cake. Yeah.
1: And then what's even better is we're on private ground and like where he died was on a cattle pasture. I could drive to the deer. I didn't have to drag him three quarters of a mile.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that is uh that's good good news. Icing, icing on the cake, man, for sure. Well, Cam, I know both of us got a jump here. I really appreciate you you hopping on telling the story. This is this is badass moral of the story. I'm gonna I'm gonna say get creative with your hunts be where the deer are what about what about do you have anything else besides that
1: yeah i mean scout 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 hunt i mean scout until you have a plan that you can execute on if you don't have a plan that you can execute on you're better off scouting
0: sure yeah that's fair that's fair all right awesome well thank you thank you so much for for taking the time today cam um i will drop your i will drop exodus outdoor gear plus um your your handle your instagram handle and all that in the show notes um otherwise where can people where can people find you is it just exodusoutdoorgear.com or where do you want people to go
1: yeah you could check us out on the the website exodusoutdoorgear.com if you're listening to this when this airs september 12th we got a sweet deal going on with the the Exodus render. So it is on sale. If you've been, been trying to get a cell camera, you need some last minute cell cameras that are backed by the industry's best warranty. Go ahead and check those out at the website. I do host um, the deer gear podcast. So if you are a a gear nut or an archery nut, you can check that out too. That's under the Exodus umbrella as well. We have the land podcast, the Jake hosts. we have the Exodus podcast that uh, Chad and Jake host. So we're, we're pumping out content. So you can, you can pretty much find us anywhere that you
0: are. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. And I've listened to the podcast many times. Whitetail Cribs is a fantastic YouTube channel. Love that shit too. So yeah, Exodus, YouTube, uh, podcasts, website, all the socials, all the fun stuff. So, oh, and yeah. all that stuff's coming out. Content, content director, Cam yeah. yep. doing all the work. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Well, thank you so much, man. Hey, have a great rest of your day. Have a good, have a good meeting. And hopefully this isn't the last buck of the year. Hopefully this isn't the last time we're talking. Hell yeah, man. Thank you a lot
1: for uh, giving me me the opportunity to tell the story. And I look forward to following along with
0: this series. Yeah, fantastic. All right, have a good one, brother. See you You later.